It was the sound of my son's voice that woke me. Maddie was shaking my arm, mumbling the same thing over and over. His voice sounded tired, but urgent. Dad. Dad. I shifted and opened my eyes. The bedroom around me was dark. A slither of moonlight leaked in from the skylight on the landing, enough to pick out Maddie's silhouette at my bedside. I tried to rub the sleep from my eyes as I pushed myself up on one arm. What? What is it, mate? What's going on? Dad, you have to come. I saw something. What do you mean? What time is it? I reached over to the bedside table and tapped my phone, bringing the screen to life. 2.48 a.m. My head still felt jumbled from sleep and the half-memory of some dream I'd been having ran through my mind like fog. Something unpleasant. I tried to grab onto the memory, but couldn't. Did you have a nightmare, buddy? Was that it? No, I mean, yes, but it wasn't in the nightmare that I saw the thing, Dad. It was after I woke up. I I woke up and I... Hang, Hang on, hang on, wait a minute. Maddie's face was half hidden in the shadows. I reached out and held his arm. Tell me what happened. Slowly, mate. And start from the beginning. What was this nightmare you had? If I'm honest, I only asked the question to try and calm Maddie down. Help him get his thoughts in order. I didn't really need to ask it though, because I already knew the answer. The poor kid's been having the same bad dream ever since his mum and I split up ever since she moved out a couple of months back. Grace left me for some rich guy she works with, and she took our son with her. Stuck me with the dog and an empty house. I suppose I should count myself lucky I still have those, but if I'm honest, it's hard to see a silver lining at the moment, and it's especially hard when I see the toll this whole thing is taking on Matty. The kids started wetting the bed again, hadn't done it in years, but now Grace says it's almost a nightly thing. He'll wake in the early hours, sometimes screaming, and his sheets will be soaked through. Grace isn't exaggerating either. The poor kid's done the same thing almost every weekend he's been to visit me. Sodden pyjamas, cries in the night, bags under his eyes at breakfast. When I ask him about it, he always says the same thing too that he's been having bad dreams. The same bad dreams. A nightmare where he's lying in his bed, trapped, and the devil is standing outside his room, tapping on the window, trying to get in. His mother and I broke up, and now the kid sees Satan whenever he shuts his eyes. Like he's in hell. I'm no therapist, but I don't need a qualification to know how badly we've messed him up. To him, the world really is ending. All of these thoughts and memories whirled through my tired head as Maddie stood over me, pajamas still ruffled from sleep. You can probably guess what conclusion I came to. That's when the kid said he'd seen something. It was all part of his nightmare, bad dreams blurring into real life. But what he said a moment later made me pause. It's nothing to do with my nightmare, Dad, Maddie shuffled on the spot, rubbing one arm. It was something I saw in the kitchen. 
I think someone might be down there. Somewhere on the ground floor of the house, as if to prove Maddie's point, I heard a soft creaking sound. Maddie stiffened, but I didn't pay it any attention. My house is like any other Victorian property. Now and again, it creaks. Floorboards expanding, pipes in the wall, the neighbours. If you jumped at every little sound, you'd be constantly on edge. I was also busy running what Maddie had told me back through my head, trying to make sense of it. It was something I saw in the kitchen. It took me a moment, but then I got there. The pet camera. That had to be it. A month or so after Grace and I split, in an effort to cheer Maddie up on one of his weekend visits, I bought a little camera for the kitchen, one you can link up to an app on your phone. The camera sits in a little tower on the floor, and the idea is you can tune into it to keep an eye on whatever your pet is up to. Our dog, Bella, is about the only thing that can still bring a smile to Maddie's face these days, so I figured he'd like to be able to check up on her, watch her snuffling around in my kitchen, even when he's at his mum's new place. The little tower even stores dog treats inside it, which you can fire out of a little launcher by touching a button on your phone screen. Maddie loves it. As I push myself into a sitting position, the conclusion I'd already come to was this. Maddie had woken from his bad dream, and he'd struggled to get back to sleep. So to calm himself down, he'd opened the PetCam app on his phone. Maybe he'd decided to watch Bella for a little while. The camera has a night vision mode, so he'd still have been able to see her. Obviously, it hadn't worked, and I thought I knew why. The night vision mode on that app is creepy. Everything looks odd. The picture is all grey and green, like in a horror film. No wonder it had made the kid even more spooked than he already was. Look mate, I tried to speak slowly and make my voice as reassuring as possible. I'm sure it's probably nothing. I'm guessing you mean you saw something on Bella's pet camera, right? You saw something on your phone just now? Maddie nodded his head. Right, okay. Well, trust me. I've looked at the app at night before too, and I'm not surprised it freaked you out. Everything looks all shadowy and green, right? Like some creepy twilight world. And if you saw Bella down there, her eyes were probably shining in a weird way and... No. Maddie's voice cut across mine. Bella was asleep, Dad. She was in her basket. My son glanced away from me in the direction of the open bedroom door, out towards the moonlit landing beyond. When he next spoke, his voice was barely above a whisper. It wasn't Bella's eyes. And it wasn't the weird light. It, it was the shadow, Dad. I saw a shadow go past the camera. Like something had moved in front of it and blocked the view. I opened my mouth to respond, but that was when the noise came. Not just a creak this time either, a sudden, sharp crash from the direction of the kitchen. The stairs creaked softly below my feet. I crept down them as slowly as I could, willing them not to make a sound. It didn't work. The wood is old and noisy. Even in bare feet, I couldn't keep my steps silent. I was wearing only a t-shirt and boxes at this point, 
but my hands were full. Before I'd left Maddie in my bedroom, I made sure to pick up the baseball bat that I keep propped in the corner, just in case. If Maddie had seen someone down there, a burglar for instance, I didn't want to meet them empty-handed. But even with the crashing noise I'd heard a moment before, I still wasn't convinced. Was my heart rate up a little higher as I worked my way downstairs? Sure it was. Was my grip on the baseball bat a little sweaty despite the cold? Absolutely. But that was the only adrenaline working through me. A natural, albeit irrational, response to creeping around the house in the middle of the night. If pushed at that point, I still would have told you that the noise was probably nothing. Bella knocking a chair over, most likely. And the shadow Maddie had seen on the camera? Probably just the poor kid's overtired imagination. A hangover from the nightmare he'd had. The thing is, Maddie's sensitive. I know he is. After he started wetting the bed, Grace took him to see the doctor, and we managed to get him referred to a counsellor, someone to help him work through our separation. Both Grace and I speak to her regularly now that Maddie's having his sessions, and one of the first things she told me was how susceptible the kid is. I can still remember the exact words she used. Some children are far more emotionally vulnerable than others, Mr. Norton. Far more at risk to big changes. Maddie's mind is like a sponge. If he's happy, it can fill up with so much excitement he'll be fit to burst. But if he's unhappy, he'll feel it. He lets stuff in more easily than other children. He lets stuff in more easily than other children. That was the phrase that stuck out to me. I suppose being in tune with your emotions is a good thing, but when I heard the counsellor come out with that one, it didn't feel good. It filled me with worry and guilt. Shame, too. I kept thinking about Maddie's recurring nightmare, the devil waiting outside his window at night, trying to get in. He's let something in all right, I remember thinking after I'd met with the counsellor. Poor little guys in hell because of us. With these thoughts still running through my head, I reached the bottom of the staircase, paused and strained my ears. The house around me was silent. No sound from Maddie upstairs and no sound from the kitchen at the end of the hallway. If Bella had knocked something over, she'd obviously settle back down again now. She wasn't making a peep. I thought about switching on the downstairs light, then thought better of it. Somehow, it didn't feel like the right thing to do, even though the door to the kitchen was shut. Any light I switched on would spill straight beneath the doorway. If anyone was in the kitchen, they'd know I was coming. There's no one in the kitchen, a voice in my mind shot back. Don't be an idiot. You're as bad as the kid getting yourself worked up over nothing. The voice was right, and I knew it. But nevertheless, I still felt my hands tightening around the baseball bat as I started along the hallway. Just a little. Just to be on the safe side. Halfway to the kitchen, another floorboard creaked beneath my foot. I froze in a pool of moonlight, strained my ears once again, 
The only sound I could hear was my own heartbeat. It sounded far too loud. Bang, bang, banging in my chest like a trapped animal. I rubbed my eyes and I felt sweat on my fingertips. Forced myself to take another step towards the closed kitchen door. And then another. It was almost within reach now. Close enough to open. All I had to do was reach out a hand, turn the knob, and push. So why don't you then? Whispered the voice in my mind. Stop messing around and get it done. So you can go back to bed. Riding a wave of sudden frustration at myself, I stepped forwards and gripped the doorknob, twisted and shoved. The door creaked inwards and I felt myself tense, tightening my grip on the baseball bat. Something was wrong in the kitchen. I knew that straight away. Something was wrong, but at first I didn't know what it was. I could hardly see a thing. Weak streetlight shone through the windows at the back of the house, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to push the darkness away. It was enough for me to make out shapes though, objects hiding in the shadows. I could see the outline of the fridge on my left, humming away softly, and beyond it the little dining table. On the floor by that table was a chair on its side, and a thought that must have been what the crashing sound was flashed quickly across my mind. It must have been Bella after all, I told myself. She must have knocked the chair over and... Bella. The thought of my dog was what triggered the first realisation. The first realisation of what was wrong. Whenever I walk into the kitchen normally, Bella is there to greet me. She's always there to greet me. Even if she's not ready and waiting on the other side, the first sound I hear when I open the door is her claws scrabbling against the kitchen tiles. Only now, standing in the kitchen doorway, I couldn't hear her. I couldn't hear anything. And a moment later, as my eyes adjusted to the kitchen's darkness, I saw why. Bella was sitting in the middle of the floor, perfectly still, facing away from me. Her eyes glinted in the darkness like glass beads, staring at something I couldn't see. Bella, what's up, girl? I took a step forwards into the kitchen and shivered. That was when I realized the other thing that was wrong. The room was cold. Not chilly like rooms at the back of a house often can be either. I mean, it was cold. It felt like I was stepping into a freezer. I felt a draft of icy air brush by my right side. And when I turned in that direction, I saw what had caused the drop in temperature. The back door was standing open, wide open. The darkness beyond it stared back at me like an eye. Over in the middle of the room, Bella began to growl. A deep, low rumble. I turned back to her, but I was about to step further into the kitchen. A voice stopped me. Don't. Stay away. I let out a yelp and spun around. Maddie stood in the moonlit hallway behind me, his pyjamas hanging off him like a sheet. As I stared at him, he lifted his arm and pointed a trembling finger in Bella's direction. Don't touch her. 
Please, it's too late. He's already inside. I could feel fear filling me up. Then, something close to dread. And because I didn't know what to do or say next, I did the thing that was most automatic to me. I flicked on the kitchen light. The room instantly filled with a yellow glow. It should have helped. It should have put a stop to the terror building in my chest. It should have ended the nonsense right there and then. When you're scared in the dark, turning on the light is supposed to make everything better. It's supposed to banish the fear and the unknown and the shadows. But this time, it didn't. I told you, Dad. Maddie's voice was a cracked whisper behind me. I told you he wanted to get in. I didn't respond. I couldn't. In that moment, when the harsh overhead lights lit up the kitchen, I could only focus on two things. The first was Bella's eyes. Those eyes stared blindly back at me, rolled so far up in my dog's head that all I could see were the whites. That was bad, but it wasn't the worst thing. The worst thing was the kitchen floor. The marks I could see on it, running along the tiles. The trail that led from the open back door to the spot in the middle of the room where Bella sat, unmoving. Not human footprints, but the damp, cloven tread of goat hooves. <laughs>